Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the 538th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective. Our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers of course over at Red Bull News Network but don't worry this is still the American Soccer Show and we will talk about anything and everything American soccer. Chat room is open. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. And ladies and gentlemen, as we heard about over the weekend, yes, uh, this past Saturday at the AGM meetings of U.S. soccer, we have ourselves a president once again, and it is Miss Cindy Carlo Cohn, who defeated Carlos Cordero, who returned to the tried to return to the position. He lost. Cindy Parlo Cohn has grabbed it, holding on to it, as she will now serve a full term as U.S. Soccer President. And let me just say congratulations to Miss Parlo Cohn for earning the title as president of U.S. Soccer, Madam President of U.S. Soccer, and everything that goes along with it. But while it is a happy day for those at Soccer House in Chicago and for those people who voted for her, obviously I cannot vote for her, the state associations that voted for her, the youth soccer department, the athletes council that voted for her, and any other form of current or former American soccer people. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. That voted for her to remain at the post. I have a problem with the position of president of U.S. soccer. And that is this. It is a hollow position for anyone to take over. Unfortunately, the motion to make it a legitimate position where the president gets paid by the U.S. Soccer Federation to oversee anything and everything with the sport in our country will not be paid. How can someone in Cindy Parlo Cone or even Carlos Cordero or even, I mean, anybody, anybody can be called a president 
of the governing body of the sport in our country take that title legitimately. The truth of the matter is that the Board of Governors still runs the Federation. The Board of Governors still runs U.S. soccer as a whole. That means any form of negotiations of a new CBA with the U.S. men's national team and even the U.S. women's national team, and even though they got their settlement and they're getting their so-called equal pay, the truth of the matter is this. Cindy Parlo Cohn, whatever she has done, to me, has basically done nothing. Absolutely nothing. She is not part of the furniture. She is not considered the go-to person. She is just there to take the beck and call from the Board of Governors of U.S. Soccer. They are running the ship. And at the moment, the ship is rudderless. They want to make it as painful as possible. Does this mean that they don't trust her? Does this mean that she's just the big red curtain and the Board of Governors are the wizard pulling the mechanism to show the big green face to Dorothy, to the scarecrow, to the tin man, and to the cowardly lion? What is going on here? Are we really that complicit with what is going on with American soccer? Are we really complicit and just accepting what is in front of us? A great old house somewhere in downtown Chicago. All they are doing is just sitting back, kicking their feet up on their desks, and just doing nothing. Watching the sadness that is plaguing our sport right now. Three leagues in Division Three. A core of young American players playing and plying their trade in Europe. Having a taste of Champions League football. Coming together to be on a national team where the head coach does not know what he's doing. And at the same time, he thinks he knows how to change things up. 
and he thinks he knows that his style is working when it clearly is not. That every time he gives out a bad, his team puts out a bad performance because of his tactics on the road. That he thinks, okay, we're going to be home and then we'll just change it up and there it is. No. Acting like bullies to a national team playing in the bitter cold of St. Paul, Minnesota into the negative temperatures, Fahrenheit, to freeze the Hondurans when the Hondurans are a shell of their former selves. A game where our boys, if you put them somewhere in Texas or Florida or Charlotte, North Carolina, they would have dismantled them very, very easily at the start of the opening five minutes of the match. This is what happens when you put these people and let them run our sport where there are more questions than answers. And you really want to give them a fair shot. You want to give them a fair shake. You want to give them the opportunity to go out and prove to you that they are strong enough, they are smart enough, and that they are able to take care of the business at hand. It just doesn't happen. No Olympics for like the last four or five attempts in qualifying. They had a great head coach for their under-20s, and they won't even use him for the senior national team, and he went to coach in MLS. And I'm talking about Tab Ramos. We're going to have a coaching search. In reality, we wanted Jay's brother, Greg, to run the national team. The only success we've had is the women. We've had some success with the men. And while it is absolutely brilliant last year, within a calendar year, to defeat your bitter rivals in CONCACAF, three matches, two of them for trophies, one of them for World Cup qualification victory, and believe me, it was watching that was sweet and watching it was amazing. But in reality, there are six other opponents that we have to watch against as well and we have to take care of business against. And right now, and pardon my language, Greg Berhalter is John Herdman's bitch in Canada. That's right. 
You heard me say it. Greg Berhalter, John Herdman's bitch. Because John Herdman has neutered Greg Berhalter. He did so in CONCACAF Nations League group stage. And even though it was a 1-0 victory over Canada in the final group stage game of the Gold Cup, Canada could have scored a goal and they didn't to force a draw or at least to get two goals to get a win, but they couldn't do it. But once again, they played strong. They did not play scared. They did not play as if everything was falling apart in front of their faces. Greg Berhalter may have solved Tata Martino right now, but he has not solved John Herdman. And he has lost several opportunities, advantage of what was in front of him and could not do so. U.S. soccer, no matter what positive position our national team is in the octagon table for CONCACAF final round of World Cup qualifying, we have a problem, Houston. And that problem is a rudderless ship that continues to sail all across the seas and all across the pitch because we don't know what's going on and we don't know what's, what it is it's doing. It is an absolute disgrace and a disgrace that needs to be fixed as soon as possible. We need help. We need a new voice. We need common sense. And that common sense has been thrown out the window. So let's move forward. Get ready. Let's go and and let's see what's going to happen. But until that gets fixed, I don't trust anybody running the Federation until we have real clarity. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about a big moment uh, that U.S. soccer uh, has done. They have a new media rights deal, surprisingly enough, with Turner Sports, as is a new eight-year deal. And to join me to talk about it, of course, Carter Krishnire, World Soccer Talk, as we delve into this situation. Carter, welcome back. How are you? And uh, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Carter, it's, I did not expect Turner Sports or Warner Media to come out of the blue and basically put a stamp on this. And we all know what happened the last time they tried something like this. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'll disagree with that. I mean, I, I think the general public opinion is like yours, Daniel. But following this closely, I uh, had written an article several months ago in World Soccer Talk that I thought Warner Media, Turner Sports would would make a serious play for Premier League and MLS rights. 
based on my contacts there. And we know they actually tabled the highest bid for Premier League rights. The Premier League opted to stay with NBC, even though reportedly uh, Turner put in a bigger bid. The Premier League probably, you know, possibly rightly, Daniel, thought that it may be risky to go to Turner even with more money, given what happened with Champions League. So um, they made the decision to stay with the incumbents. It's just a little less money, not significantly less. Uh, we know what NBC delivers us. We don't know if Turner is going to screw this up. So I think after they lost that, they were going to get either MLS or U.S. soccer rights. Um, I don't, the, the thing that's interesting to me about this is that U.S. soccer has delinked from Soccer United Marketing, right? So now they're on their own. And there was a concern, underground kind of concern, that maybe they wouldn't get anyone to pitch because there was a fear that, okay, maybe the MLS, uh, the MLS package as a standalone package has more value than the U.S. soccer deal, especially with the men not having, presumably not having to qualify for the next World Cup because they're co-hosting. So uh, it was good to see Turner step up and make this deal. I, I want to say real quickly, I don't think you're going to see a repeat of how they handle Champions League. I think Turner has learned a lot from that experience. They've learned that soccer fans want to be treated uh, as kind of intelligent adult fans. They don't want to be treated like uh, 18-year-old hipsters. And uh, uh, it was a real learning experience. And I think if Turner had gotten the Premier League right, they would have done a much better job than they did with Champions League. But in fairness, again, the Premier League didn't want to take that chance, given how good NBC has been to them and, and Turner's most recent experience in broadcasting soccer. Um, so for the USSF, uh, they're not in a position where they're – uh, people throwing money at them like the, like there was with the Premier League, and they don't have an incumbent, right? They're delinking from MLS, so this is a new deal. So they have to take what they could get. No, I can understand that, and I understand U.S. Soccer wants to have their games shown on you know any channels possible. Uh, even the stream, all know the streaming is also available as well, but they want to be on both, both streaming and on regular yeah. television, whether it be national TV like ABC and NBC and CBS and Fox, or even on the cable sports channels like ESPN, Fox Sports 1 and all that stuff. I can understand that from U.S. Soccer's point of view. But I have to say that this deal for eight years has been really uh, excuse me, um, has been amazing to watch, to read everything. And, of course, I've listened, of course, to your podcast with Christopher Harris and, uh, of course, your video, uh, inter your video uh, discussion as well through World Soccer Talk, um, how this is going to be on both TNT, which, let's be honest, TNT has done an amazing job, not just with the NBA, but in their first year of television rights for the National Hockey League. And I think they've done, I'll be honest with you, I think TNT has done a much better job than what ESPN has done since they came back into the fold broadcasting NHL, using their platforms online, as well as streaming like Bleach Report, um, and, of course, I am probably one of the lucky ones here in the New York City area where I get HBO Max for free for my, uh, you know, having uh, Optimum uh, Altice One as a, my cable provider. So I get it for free, and I don't have to worry about paying for the amount to, to watch. So, But this looks like a, an excellent deal from what Turner's giving U.S. soccer. 
Yeah, I mean, there is the, the risk on Turner's side is, I think, minimal. But let's let's discuss that right now. The risk is that the U.S. doesn't qualify for this World Cup, and Turner is left holding it in kind of a white elephant. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the U.S. is going to qualify probably pretty comfortably in this next uh, three three match uh, match day. They're going to get the women's national team right. Uh, they get uh, uh, she believed, which in talking to Cindy Cohn. Oh, and by the way. I should I should mention to your listeners, and I think you, they, most of them probably know this, Daniel, the timing of the deal wasn't a coincidence, right? There was a presidential election this weekend. Cindy Cohn held on by the thinnest of margins over Carlos Cordero, who tried to take his old job back. Uh, there was a, a lot of thought that, that uh, uh, Cindy Cohn, Cindy Parlo Cohn, had to get a TV deal done to get reelected, and she got it done. She got it done the week of the election, which, again, I don't think it's a coincidence, but uh, Cindy Cohn tells me, uh, and uh, when I talked to her prior to the election, uh, she tells me U.S. Open Cup will be part of this deal. Now, I didn't see it in the press release, but that's um, assuming that, that they go through with that, that will be very exciting um, for, for U.S. soccer. It'll be very exciting for that tournament, which uh, I know you care very deeply about, Daniel, and has not gotten the attention it deserves. I mean, quite frankly, you've done, you've done more to promote that tournament on this show than any of the broadcast rights holders have ever done with that tournament. So let's hope um, Turner uh, understands the value of that tournament. They broadcast the NCAA tournament, so they probably understand the kind of similar type stories that are involved with it, and they do a good job with that. Uh, In addition, they'll have all the women's national team friendlies, all the women's national team qualifiers. Men, they only have the qualifiers that are in the U.S., uh, and there may be none for 2026, but they'll have qualifiers for 2030. And uh, it's, it's going to be a good deal for Turner. It's a good deal for U.S. soccer. I do need to mention to the listeners, if they're not aware of this, uh, Daniel, there are going to be some games in this package, I'm told by U.S. soccer, are exclusive to HBO Max. So that, for some fans, will involve signing up for a new streaming service, which I know uh, people are getting kind of tired of doing. Uh, I get HBO Max anyway, so I, I'm, I, it doesn't affect me, but I know it affects a lot of fans who may not have HBO Max currently. If I can ask you this, what is the signal against Fox and ESPN? What is the signal against them? Because now they're going to lose uh, potential not only women's games, but men's games for from U.S. soccer to be broadcasted on their channels. And, I mean, I know ESPN's got – La Liga, they have the Bundesliga, you know, we all know NBC has the Premier League, CBS has Serie A, but what does that mean for ESPN and Fox that they're going to lose men's and women's national team games? Yeah, so Fox obviously keeps the tournaments. They will still have the U.S. in the Gold Cup. They will still have the U.S. in the World Cup. Uh, They're broadcasting the Euros also, which... Uh, it's, uh, it's big for Fox. I, I'm not thrilled about it personally. I wish that it stayed with ESPN, but uh, Fox Fox spent a lot of money. They took it away from ESPN. On ESPN's end, my understanding is that since the package got split, they were always going to prioritize main, uh, keeping MLS rights over keeping U.S. men's and national team uh, men's and women's national team rights, which I think is disappointing to a lot of U.S. national team fans. But just understand it from a business standpoint, MLS. Uh, is a growing league that can consistently give ESPN programming on um, on weekdays and uh, sorry on weekends that are and and throughout the summer, right? 
when their programming is a little weaker, when the NBA is not playing, when the NHL is not playing, when there's no football. The flip side of it is U.S. games on ESPN have had to been shoehorned uh, in between college basketball games, in between college football games, bumped to ESPN2, bumped to ESPN+. It's just the timing of national team games isn't good for ESPN. So that didn't surprise me. I had a strong indication from my sources that ESPN wasn't interested in keeping the national team rights unless they were the only ones bidding uh, because it just doesn't work programming-wise as well as MOS. Now, from Fox's standpoint, I'm a little surprised. Actually, I think given that they have all the international tournaments I named, I, I think they would have liked to have kept the U.S. rights. But ultimately, I think Turner, having thrown a lot of money at the Premier League and, and come up short in that, they, um, they had prioritized getting some sort of soccer property. And obviously, while with the Premier League, they lost out because NBC is the incumbent. With MLS, I think they're going to make a strong bid. But again, ESPN and Fox are incumbents. So incumbents always have an advantage. U.S. soccer doesn't have an incumbent. I know fans out there think, or associate U.S. soccer with ESPN and Fox, but U.S. soccer has not had its own media rights deal in, in almost 20 years, right? They've just been bundled with the MLS deal, and MLS has negotiated the deal. U.S. soccer hasn't a nego- negotiated a deal on their own actually more than 20 years because prior to some, IMG was negotiating deals for them. So this is the first time they've negotiated a deal in modern history, which meant it was wide open. It was a clean slate. There was no incumbent. And Turner struck because they realized this was an opportunity. This is almost like having a new league or a new package that's available uh, for the first time. So there was no incumbent. But, yeah, I think, it, I think it's probably more damaging for Fox because of their national team uh, emphasis, their international football emphasis. As, as far as ESPN, as you said, uh, like, like I said, they're, they're emphasizing MLS over U.S. Uh, national team. And like you said, they got La Liga for eight more years after this. Right? They signed a long-term deal uh, with Stephen Ross, who actually owns the, uh, the La Liga rights, and Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner, who actually is the broker who owns the, US, uh, owns the La Liga rights in the United States. So they signed a nine-year deal with, with Stephen Ross's company, and uh, they also have the Bundesliga for four more years after this. So they've, they've got plenty of soccer, right? Between MLS, Bundesliga, La Liga, not to mention the championship, not to mention USL, not to mention the Belgian League and the Dutch League. So I, I, it doesn't damage them as much. But for Fox, yeah, I'm a little surprised that they didn't try and outbid Turner. Yeah, uh, that's a surprise to me as well. But let me ask you this, and I'm just curious about this. I know probably going off a little bit, but with this year's MLS rights, are up this current contract with both ESPN and yep. Fox does like you said Turner is going to make a play my question to you is this yes. does CBS jump in as well do you think CBS and Turner are going to fight for this because I don't see Fox battling for MLS rights anymore yeah right I, I thought when the package was split um, this is where I, I, I got lost on this when the package was split, I thought Fox would try and stick with the U.S. portion of it, would let go of MLS, and ESPN would keep MLS, and there would be another uh, co-rights holder with ESPN, which I assumed would be Turner or CBS. Now, uh, Turner has got, uh, comp- uh, has got money in the bank in terms of uh, U.S. soccer. They don't get the MLS rights. It's okay. They're, they've already got the national team for eight years. They got a long-term deal. CBS and Turner are both going to fight for this. CBS is um, – is in an interesting position because I noticed they're very good at adjusting 
to the product they have. So if you watch Champions League, they cover Champions League completely differently than they cover Serie A, which they cover completely differently than they cover NWSL. I mean, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't realize that it's the same network because it's a very serious kind of uh, uh, professional presentation. Uh, although there's some joking on the set, but very kind of analytical presentation with Champions League. It's a very kind of hip, cool, um, out of the box presentation with uh, Serie A with uh, NWSL. It's a very um, women's centric presentation. So they're very good at adjusting to whatever pro- uh, property they have, which I have to say is something that I don't think Fox, ESPN, or uh, or NBC are quite. Or NBC only has one product, right? So one. So maybe it's unfair to judge it. But Fox and ESPN tend to cover everything the same, right? Every league the same way. So that's really interesting, and I think that's something MLS might be interested in because MLS might say, hey, you know, CBS is going to come in and they're going to do something uh, very uh, MLS-centric with us. Their coverage will look different than their Champions League coverage or their Serie A coverage or their NWSL coverage. So I think they have a good shot. Um, But the thing we have to remember, Daniel, is with the Premier League bidding, everyone thought ESPN and CBS had a good shot to take it away from NBC. And as it turns out, they didn't bid very high. The two that almost took it away from NBC, Fox, uh, although Fox, Fox was third, right? But it was Turner. It was Turner that made the real run, threw all kinds of money at the Premier League. Again, reportedly, I can't confirm this, but I, I, the people who reported it, I trust. Uh, reportedly, they, they, they offered the Premier League more money. The Premier League just made the decision that they were comfortable with NBC, especially given the way Turner had covered the Champions League in this country, which was a disaster. But um, so based on that, Turner might have the money to go get MLS also. Um, one quick note also for mm-hmm. people who don't know this. Turner is merging or Warner Media is merging with Discovery. Discovery, even though they have not covered soccer in this country, has a long history of covering soccer in Europe uh, at a high level. So my assumption is the Turner coverage will look very different than the way they covered Champions League. Not only because Champions League was a disaster, Daniel, but because the guys from Discovery who are going to take over or are going to be in, involved with Turner Sports have covered um, the French League, have covered the Bundesliga, have covered all the top European leagues in Europe. So they have uh, that network, even though in the U.S. we just associate them with documentaries and, and educational programs and, and that sort of thing. Actually, in Europe, Discovery has covered a lot of soccer for a long time, for 10 or 15 years now. They've had soccer rights uh, in various domestic markets in, the, in, in Europe. Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk, join me right now to talk about this. Carter, thank you for your time. I always appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Daniel. And, uh, no problem. Thank you, and uh, have a good night. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk, once again joining me on tonight's show to talk about the U.S. soccer media rights deal for eight years. And, um, you know, look, good for them. Hopefully uh, it'll be a longer uh, partnership once the this original deal is over with, and we'll see what happens moving forward. And of course, the hope is is that Turner Sports learned their lesson from their time doing UEFA Champions League games, where you had a bunch of people in the studio, like with Kate Abdo and um, who else was there? Um, Stu Holden and uh, Steve Nash. Of course, Stu Holden and Steve Nash were in a studio in Los Angeles doing a split screen or at least 
you know, I remember Gucci on Yeru and I think Tim Howard was there too with Kate Abdo in one of the main studios. And I mean, honestly, it, it was just an absolute disgrace to see how once again, and I keep saying this all the time, it's not the soccer people who I do not trust. I trust Kate Abdo. I trust the Gucci on Yeru. I trusted Stu Holden. Steve Nash is a basketball guy, but he is also a soccer fan, and he loves the game of soccer as well. And obviously, he's probably going crazy with Canada, you know. And of course, his brother, uh, you know, Steve's brother is also, you know, part of the national team back in the day with Canada um, for soccer. And of course, we know Steve Nash, great basketball player uh, during his time, head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. But I, it's not that I don't trust the soccer people. I just, it, it's the production people and, and, and the production companies that you have to feel comfortable with to make sure they are broadcasting the product properly. Because if you don't trust them, then the soccer talent will not shine. That, my friends, is the number one reason why. I don't trust Fox Sports anymore. Comes to soccer broadcasting in this country. I trust the soccer people. I just don't trust the production work that is leading them into a disaster. That's why. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Marsh managed his first match. For Leeds United against Leicester City on the road over at the uh, King Power Stadium. And you know what? Regardless of the results, and they lost 1-0 in Marsh's first match, regardless of the result, I think Jesse has done so far a decent job. Decent job. I'm not saying a good job. I'm not saying a great job. I thought he did a decent job. If they were able to get a scoreless draw or pull a goal out of their rear ends, leads, maybe it's a good job. But it's a decent job because the truth is they deserve the result or a result that was going to be for them. And to see leads playing I would say maybe 45, uh, 50, 60% better than what they have shown so far in the Premier League under Jesse Marsh now in this one match. You know what? We'll have to wait and see when when this season is over with in the Premier League if Leeds will remain in the Premier League. But let me just say this. Whether Leeds does go back to the championship or they somehow get lucky and hang on. We all know Jesse's going to be there. And we'll have to wait and see what the situation will be. But until then, at the moment, with Jesse Marsh right now, I believe it is a decent job in his first game in the Premier League. And if you saw his interview before the first match, for his first match managing Leeds. Look at what he did. Look at how he answered their questions. The English media, the Leeds media, 
he basically was relaxed. He was enjoying himself. He looked like he's been there since the start of the season. And for those of you that were wondering about, you know, what type of a guy is Jesse Marsh? Is he always like this? Let me say this right now with Jesse. Yes, he is. When Jesse Marsh met the media at Red Bull Arena, outgoing, shook your hand, was he's the one that initiates the, the handshakes. It's wonderful to see him. Great, great, great person. Excellent smile. You know, you always knew what you're going to get with Jesse. Not just whenever the game ends in a win, in a draw, or a loss. You get an honest opinion from the man. And every single time, every single time, that I would interview Jesse Marsh after matches or preview matches on the Red Bulls games at the training facility. He would always come over to shake your hand. He would joke around with you. He would make you feel like you are one of his long-lost friends. Sometimes, job, you're trying your best not to make an enemy with the head coach, but at least you're trying to, you know, understand where he's coming from. And whenever you're able to do so, treats you like an equal. I have nothing bad to say about Jesse Marsh at all. And you know what? I have to say this. When Jesse Marsh came back after the Bundesliga season ended with Red Bull Leipzig as a part of Ralph Ragnick's coaching staff, because he wasn't the head coach then. He was able to get to Germany, learn German, and then, of course, he went to Austria to be the head coach later on at Red Bull Salzburg and got those two consecutive Austrian Bundesliga titles, Austrian FA Cup titles. The big Champions League run, he just tried to get them to get into. You know, he came back, saw me, was so happy to see me, and gave me a big hug, asked me, how are you? What's going on? Is everything okay? How's your family? And everything's all right. Yeah, we had a conversation. Everything's good. Everything's fine. You know, everything is everything was copacetic. That's the that's Jesse Marsh. That is Jesse Marsh. First hand experience, ladies and gentlemen, from me to you. I know everyone you see the energy coming out of his body, how he manages, how you know, his tactics and his formation how he likes to tweak things, he, how he wants to be, you know, with, how he wants his players to perform. 
won the 2015 MLS Supporter Shield, second in three years, got to the 2017 U.S. Open Cup Final, took the club all the way to the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals in 2018, You could probably say you can share the 2018 MLS Supporters Shield between Chris Armas and Jesse Marsh because that was still Marsh's team. But in all honesty, in all honesty, this is the reason why that I trust Jesse Marsh. Not just because of running the Red Bulls here in MLS, Red Bull Salzburg. Unfortunately, it did not work at Red Bull Leipzig. Now he's with Leeds United in the Bundesliga, excuse me, in the Premier League, and hopefully he can keep Leeds United in the Premier League. If not, he'll be ready for uh, the championship season. But I will say this about Jesse Marsh, as I've always said already. I trust what he does. I believe in what he does. He knows that he will not be a manager to try and replace Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa is in a class above everyone. It's unfortunate that he just could not remain at the post all the way towards the end for Leeds. But for an American head coach to get a second bite managing a club side in Europe and now in England, that is amazing. That, my friends, is unbelievable. And I wish him nothing but the best. As long as he has a positive attitude, as long as he goes out and gives us that Midwest smile and that positive attitude, there's no doubt in my mind He'll achieve great things in Europe. But it's a long and a very tough hill to climb for him right now. He has 11 matches remaining. Still has enough time to save leads. And the only thing you have to hope for is that ownership, the board of leads allows him the time to save him. And at the same time, if they cannot be saved for the Premier League, to allow him to have an offseason and allow him to attack in the championship and try to get back to the Premier League for for the next uh, season or two. We know it's a tough road to climb. It's a tough hill to climb. Tough road to walk on. 
but we're going to have to wait and see what the situation will be. And we shall see what will happen. We'll have to wait and see. One match at a time. Good luck, Jesse. Let's hope you can get back out there and do a job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for the Red Bull segment. As we get ready, two wins in a row to start the year. Two consecutive road wins. Seven goals scored. Two allowed. And amazingly enough, Scotsman Lewis Morgan converting a first-half hat trick and then Captain Aaron Long with a header bender inside the near post to make it 4-1, even though TFC tightened up defensively in the second half. They had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. The New York Red Bulls are starting to grow leaps and bounds. It's only been two games. We cannot get crazy about it. But apparently it looks like two players, Patrick Lamala, Lewis Morgan, both have played for Celtic. We don't know if they've played together. They have. It looks like a hell of a combination and a hell of a chemistry between the two. The Polish youth player plied his trade at Celtic. The Scottish native played at Celtic. And now the former Celtic men are combining together for four goals and four assists. A goal and three assists for Klamala. Three goals and an assist for Morgan. And I I gotta say it. you, You just have to say it. They looked great together. Lewis Morgan, but later on in the match in the second half, you thought he had a fourth. Offside flag came up. VAR reviewed it, said, nope, it's offside. You know, said, yep, it's offside. We're going to keep the flag. We're going to keep the offside call. And sometimes, I mean, it, it, that was a bit of a tough one. It, it, it could have gone either way. But the truth is, Lewis Morgan probably could not play in Phil Neville's tactics down in Miami. It looked like, I guess, in two years with Inter-Miami, Lewis Morgan just could not play that style. And now comes to the Red Bulls, over a million dollars worth of allocation money being sent to enter Miami for Lewis Morgan, and look what he does. He goes out, and he destroys Toronto FC all by himself with the hat trick. 
Patrick Kamala on the opening goal. Nice quick cross. Morgan with a right foot bending ball inside the far post. 1-0. The second one, another pass. Didn't look like he took it well, Klamala. Didn't look like he had enough on it. But Lewis Morgan timed that ball anyway. And he smashed it inside that far post again on his right foot. 2-0. Yes, Toronto pulled one back with Jimenez. And right away, Klamala shielding himself off the defender. Pass to lead Morgan forward. Well on side. Morgan attacking. Bono off his line. Morgan gets close. And when he uses his left foot for the first time in the match, buries it for the hat trick. 3-1 Red Bulls. And then Frankie Amaya, who also had a great game. He's had two great games, Frankie Amaya, with a bunch of assists right now. He's got three on the season. Amaya, excellent free kick right to Aaron Long, who gets in there. Header bender inside the near post. 4-1 Red Bulls. And you wanted more. You thought you were going to get more. Toronto, give them credit. Tightened up better defensively. Bono played better defensively to make those saves. But honestly, this has been a great start. In nearly every single match played by the Red Bulls, or they've only scored a goal, or they've only scored two goals to get victories. That's all they could muster. And then, of course, the only multi-goal game they had last year was on the road at Inter-Miami. A 4-0 victory over the South Floridian side. Four nil. And then they go to the playoffs and sadly one and done against Philadelphia on a last minute Norwegian hammer by Jakob Glesnes. But for now, three goals to start the season in San Jose, four goals scored in the second game of the season in Toronto. Now, now, they're coming home to take on Minnesota United. This, in my opinion, has been a great first two games. Now, once again, we cannot get overly excited. We cannot get overly concerned. We cannot go nuts. Plenty of games remaining. Big slab of Eastern Conference opponents. Still got to take on some Western Conference opponents. Like LAFC. Like Austin FC. We're going to go visit Charlotte FC this season. 
there's still going to be moments where this club is going to have some growing pains. And I'm not saying that we are not going to be able to do it. But what I am saying is for now, they're off to a a very good start. Off to a very good start, the Red Bulls. And they are finding ways to win early on. Minnesota United coming to Red Bull Arena this coming Sunday going to be a very tough task. And the Red Bulls are going to have to be careful with what is going on. Now, starting this coming weekend on Saturday, March the 12th, and you can watch it with your subscription with ESPN Plus, Red Bulls 2, in their final year of USL Championship, will start their season down in South Florida to take on the Miami FC. And then, of course, next season, they start play in the brand-new MLS Pro Next. It's all going to start on Saturday, March the 12th, through the ESPN Plus app, through the ESPN Plus streaming service. Here are the opening matches for Saturday, March the 12th at 6 p.m., at Segra Field, Love United FC hosting Indy 11. Charleston Battery hosting FC Tulsa at 7 o'clock Eastern. Ralph Lundy Field at Patriots Point Soccer Stadium. Memphis 901 FC hosts the Pittsburgh Riverhounds at AutoZone Park. Louisville City hosting Atlanta United 2 at the Lynn Family Stadium. Colorado Springs Switchbacks host Orange County SC at Widener Field at 8 Eastern. Six Mountain, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, Rio Grande Valley, hosts Oakland Roots. San Antonio FC hosts Detroit City FC at Toyota Field. Phoenix Rising hosting Monterey Bay FC at the Phoenix Rising Stadium at Wild Horse Pass, 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain. Sacramento Republic hosting El Paso Locomotive at Heart Health Park, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. And then San Diego Loyal hosting LA Galaxy 2 at Torero Stadium, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Sunday, March the 13th, Birmingham Legion FC hosting Tampa Bay Rowdies at Protective Stadium, 5 Eastern. And at 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain New Mexico United hosting Las Vegas Lights FC. Once again, LA Galaxy 2, Atlanta United 2, Loudoun United, and New York Red Bulls 2, their final year with MLS clubs owning USL championship clubs in the second division as they'll move into their own division in Division 3 as MLS Pro next. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. So it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And we cannot, I know I cannot wait for that to happen. 
finally we'll have these clubs that are in ML, you know, MLS clubs. Of course, they're not eligible enough to be part of the U.S. Open Cup. Stinks, but it has to be done. I think it's the fair way to do it. And the only way they get cup-tied is if they get called up to play for their MLS squad in a certain round. We'll have to wait and see what that will be. Other than that, it should be a lot of fun. Don't forget this week, starting tomorrow night and Wednesday night, CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals first leg. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, New England Revolution will finally be playing in the Champions League in CONCACAF. And once again, here is that schedule, March 8th. NYCFC hosts Communicaciones at 8 o'clock Eastern. That will be in East Hartford, Connecticut, at Rentschler Field. And then at 10 o'clock, Seattle Sounders taking on Club Leon. One of the two Mexican teams that have advanced to the quarterfinals. And then the New England Revolution will be hosting Pumas, UNAM, three clubs, I'm sorry, excuse me, um, coming from Mexico. That will be on Wednesday, March 9th at 8 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, Cruz Azul at the Estadio Azteca hosting Club de Foot Montreal at 10 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday March the 9th. Now, before we say goodnight, for those of you wondering about what happened in the in Liga MX, we all know of the situation between the fans of Querétaro and Atlas. The fighting that broke out the protective gates being brought down, the amount of people hurt, spilling onto the pitch, players who remained on the pitch, trying to calm those fans down, throwing metal chairs around, swinging metal bats. It was absolutely terrible. The FMF and Liga MX had to respond. CONCACAF has done so as well. And from Miami, Florida, here are, this is the, uh, the comments from our confederation down in Miami, Florida. The shocking acts of vandalism and violence that occurred last night in Querétaro, Mexico, have no place in football or society. The thoughts of everyone at CONCACAF are with the victims of these awful events and their families. CONCACAF wholly condemns these types of behaviors. We call on the local authorities to fully investigate these criminal acts and to hold accountable those who have tarnished our game. The Confederation also believes that strong football sanctions 
must be applied and will provide any necessary support to the FMF and League MX as they investigate. For those of you that listen to this program, of the security persuasion at NFL stadiums, Major League Baseball stadiums, arenas that have the NBA or the NHL. And it's to those of you that are the security detail of the Meadowlands slash MetLife Stadium when you were patrolling Giant Stadium and harassing soccer fans who did nothing wrong at Giant Stadium back in the days of the either Metro Stars or New York Red Bulls. And believe me, before I became part of the media, I would purchase tickets to watch the games. I would be in Section 101 of Giant Stadium in the Die Hard section. If you think it's fun to intentionally grab diehard fans out of nowhere just because you have the authority to blame somebody for something that they did not do, because you think you can push around people whoever you feel is necessary to be pushed around for. I dare you, double dog dare you, triple dog dare you to go to Mexico, to go to South America, to go to Central America, even probably to Russia in Europe or or anywhere in the world where you should be grateful that American fans do not act like this. Because let me tell you something right now. You should be grateful Absolutely grateful that pitch invaders do not happen regularly at soccer games in this country. Or even if they do, they're young boys who want to meet their idols. Do you understand? And I say this with experience. Because you don't know who will continue to make fun of this sport in this country because it's not the NFL. Because it's not the NBA. Because it's not mixed martial arts. Because it's not boxing or MLB or NHL. Do yourselves a favor and learn how to handle these types of problems. And maybe you'll learn and gain some form of an education. Be grateful that you don't have to follow this, folks. Be grateful you don't have to handle it. Because the truth is, You'd lose your job. 
And that's all I can say about that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my guest tonight, Carter Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk, on the brand new media rights deal between U.S. Soccer and Turner Sports. Good luck to both, and let's hope it comes something big. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long. And have a good night. Bye-bye for now.